Well, I'm here with Captain Jack Sparrow at the NorCal Pirate Festival, and this is a perfect opportunity to ask him who his, besides himself, his favorite pirate is. My favorite pirate would have to be Henry Avery. He's one of the few pirates that was able to get away with pirating two Mughal ships and never to be seen again. Sounds like Captain Jack Pirate's Sparrow. Dream. Exactly. Exactly. Who's your, who's been your biggest foe? The, the biggest challenge for Captain Jack Sparrow? Hector. Barbosa. Hector Barbosa has been taking my ship for a long time, and I do not trust the mate. But you ended up working with him, so to speak, in a couple of different adventures. So is that just out of uh, necessity? Exactly. Out of necessity. He's always been my best mate, but you know... You can't trust your best mates because you know the sick things they think of. That's exactly it. Exactly. For sure. What did you think of your last adventure, Captain Salazar? Uh, I hate ghosts, so he scared me. Um, I wet, I'm a bed wetter. <laughs> made me wet the bed. I did not like it. Um, but I was able to get spot free, wasn't I? So all's, all's all that went that ends well, Savvy. Savvy. It sounds like you have found the rum again, though. I have found the rum. Too, too much rum can make a pirate go. And are you still looking for Elizabeth, let's just say? Elizabeth, I don't mind if I find her. If I don't, I can look somewhere else. But if there's Elizabeth, why not? Exactly. I mean, you can always get. Well, there's some wares in Tortuga that you can always uh, find, I'm sure. Do not trust Scarlett and Giselle. They'll take all your money. <laughs> and can leave you on the dock while the Black Pearl goes away. Exactly. Which is never something to good like that. That is never good. So what what can we see from you in the future? What can we see from me in the future? Definitely more rum. Definitely more wenches. And me captain in the Black Pearl once again as I shall be on my beloved horizon. But I have one last question. It's probably the most important. What do you think of Jack the Monkey? I hate that monkey. No matter how much he sits on my shoulder, he poops. And that is hard to get out of a coat. Sammy. And I gotta say, your outfit is spectacular. Always uh, admired it, and this is uh, just great to see it in person. Thank you, mate. Thank What's you. the favorite part of your outfit for the, for the as we close up here? As we close up, we have to be my coochie chain. Ah, got I'm it. From the pirate inside M. Very cool. Dead men tell no tales. Fifteen men older than man's chest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. Drink and the devil had done for the rest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. What we do with a drunken sailor? What we do with a drunken sailor? What we do with a drunken sailor? The ship with black sails that's crewed by the damned. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Black Pearl Show, a Pirates of the Caribbean Minute podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis from scottartis.com. And I'm Heather Artis from blackpearlminute.com. 
Thanks for joining us as we wind our way through a crowd of scallywags in minute 88 of Dead Man's Chest. Plus, as you heard in the opener, obviously we have to open the show with Captain Jack Sparrow, giving us a few words and inside information about himself while staggering along at the NorCal Pirate Festival. That's actually not all, because I got an audience with the one and only infamous Blackbeard. Oh yeah, I know. Chatted a bit with Israel Hands, too. A.K.A. Basilica Hands. Did that help? No. But it will, and it'll be enlightening, actually. Because he is best known for being second in command to the infamous Pirate Blackbeard. Hmm, Remember okay. Remember the one I just mentioned about a second ago yes. or so? Yeah. And I also had a chance to get back to one of our favorite pieces of music from Dead Man's Chest. Two Hornpipes. You know, from the Tortuga bar fight scene. That's the place where that reappears. Appearance of Elizabeth Swan and the disheveled Norrington occurred. Oh, yeah. Ah, I remember it fondly. Disheveled, muddy, bloody Norrington. Anyways, at the NorCal Pirate Festival, there was uh, Skip Henderson in the Starboard Watch, actually. Got to get a bit of the behind the scenes on the two hornpipes from the Starboard Watch and just a moment with Skip before he was about ready to jump onto the stage or make his way to the stage, I should say. So besides creating the music for two hornpipes, Dead Man's Chest kind of thing, The guy I heard from a little parrot, because we'll keep it pirate-themed, said he's 82 years old, and he's still playing pirate festivals. He's still performing? Yeah, on stage, sitting there, still doing what he does, what he loves to do at 82. That's awesome. Yeah. Hey. Looked like an old-timey sailor, actually. He was sporting, like, the the old sailor cap and all that kind of stuff. That's cool. Yeah. If we can all do what we want to do, what we still do. I don't even know what that means. Yeah, I don't even know what that means. (laughs) If we can all do what we enjoy doing at 82, we're all doing good. If you do the voodoo that you do. There you go. Something like that. Parrots. There were quite a bit of parrots there today. Yeah, there was a lot of parrot action. Performing parrots and everything. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Well, kind of performing parrots. They didn't want to perform today. On the show that we watched, they didn't really want to perform. No. But it actually made it a funner show. Yeah. Or funner, more fun of a show. Because <laughs> the guy was pretty good about it. So oh, give a shout. Really I, I don't remember what his was. It was uh, Foul Tales or something like that is what it was called. Yeah. He did a pretty good job. He did pretty. Yeah. He did really good. He was entertaining. Yeah, he was. And plus Animal Axe and Heather. <laughs> pretty much all you need to do. He even and had a dog named Baby. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Speaking of setting the stage, kind of Skip Henderson style. I was a little irritated before the festival as I couldn't find our portable recorder. Well, the windscreen for the portable recorder. That's the blasted little piece of foam that helps reduce wind friction and noise. Went missing during the big studio move we talked about last Friday. <laughs> that giant move, moving vans, everything that came in to relocate our studio down the hall. Yeah, spent forever trying to track that thing down and nothing. And just like I thought... All was nice in the morning, but as soon as we hit the waterfront and I was prepared to do some of the interviews, the wind picked up. Background noise I can deal with. People having fun. Pirate sounds. You're at a festival. But wind? Damn that wind. I swear (laughs) to God that wind. Makes me want to kill. Because then I can try and remove it and do some audio stuff. And without me spending a ton of time doing it, like a research project for the show that I just go down a rabbit hole, If I just do a quick and dirty thing, it sounds like all of a sudden really bad echoes because it's removing (laughs) all that background wind and noise. So it kind of alters things. And I thought, you know, that's not as good as, let's just deal with the wind. Please, no wind sound effects. (laughs) That's the last thing. 
And I can't believe you did wind sound effects. <laughs> but there's nothing I can do now. So enjoy the pirate on the street chats with Blackbeard, Israel Hands. And then before I talk a bit with Skip Henderson and then I'll hit the starboard watch. And then we'll be back right here. Just a few minutes. My name is Edward Teach, a.k.a. Edward Thatch. Or Blackbeard. Blackbeard. So I got to know, who is your biggest foe? My biggest foe? It'd be those foe Jack Sparrows. That's what I was exactly hoping you'd say. Well, yeah, because you know what happens when you get enough sparrows? What? You make a pie. (laughs) And it's a sparrow pie. Okay with that. How did it turn out with you guys, though? Are you guys maybe friends again? Are you coming back to be friends? Sparrow and Blackbeard at all? Oh, no, actually. No, 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 we're not friends. Do you want to be, though? Or or just even partners? Can you partner up at all? No, he makes too much money. (laughs) Johnny Depp makes more money than I do. What can you tell me about your ship? My ship? The Queen Anne's Revenge? That's right. It'd be an honorable one. Is it better than the Black Pearl? Well, of course. Started out as a slave ship, Le Concorde. That's right. I took it over and I had 60 of the the slaves and stick crew members. They got an equal share automatically. That's way better than what was going on with the Black Pearl. Well, yeah, because the monarchy was taking everything and we discovered the, the democracy. Spreading it around the world, making them equals. That's great. Actually, is one of the first true forms of democracy. That's incredible. Actually, I don't think probably our listeners even know that. Well, no. And what's going on with the flames? Uh, that's actually uh, slow matches. I uh, believed I was the devil's son, and I am. And I'd light them and intimidate me uh, adversaries. It's actually I was an artist in the form of intimidation. Gotcha. So if you intimidated your enemy enough, they gave up, and you didn't have to shed their blood. Nor have potentially some of your crew killed, killed or as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Swatswood was out on a vendetta, and he came after me uh-huh. 300 years ago in November, the month of November, the 22nd. Yeah. One of his crewmates slayed me by cutting me head off. Mater took all the credit, but he got less than a pirate share of a one-month salary for doing so. So the monarchy doesn't pay. So... What can you tell me about your your outfit here? You got I went into battle with six guns uh, and uh, lots of smoke around my head uh, to intimidate. And I did not like, you know, flintlocks. You do not reload. That's not right. In battle. So I had six shots. And was any other pirate innovative enough to do something like that? That we really well, all pirates were quite innovative. You turned them around and used the butt of the gun as a Tommy knocker. Gotcha. Worked very efficiently once you didn't have any powder left or a shot to fire. That's right. What is? What do you think is the best thing about Blackbeard that you can just kind of sum up as we round out here? Well, like I said, uh, he's, an, he's an artist at intimidation. Because I don't know if anybody else has the cachet that Blackbeard does. Just even in the general public that maybe has never even really been exposed to some pirates or pirate lifestyle. Well, Blackbeard just seems to be at the top of everybody's list. Mind you, the that Jack Sparrow character. Well, yeah, that be Disney and Hollywood, and the, the the dead pirate. But no, it was pretty much about the art of intimidation and the fact that he had uh, armed himself to the gill, put flames around his head. He actually invited his crew down below deck to intimidate them once another further step by getting brimstone. You've heard of yeah. hellfire and brimstone, appropriate to the devil's son. Get brimstone fired up and some sulfur pots and invite his crew down to join him in his own little 
uh, interpretation of hell. No kidding. I've never heard of that. I So not too many of them stayed very long. I actually shot this gentleman in the kneecap so he could retain the story and lay, stay on land when I knew Mr. Spotswood had an adversary coming for me, Mr. Maynard, and cutting yeah. me head off. So I shot him in the kneecap to gain the story. Wow. Dead men tell no tales, but one with a shot knee does. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so there we go. I just wanted to be remembered. And you've gone down in history for sure, because I think probably the most well-known, let's just say, real pirate out there yeah. that we've heard of. But I was only a true pirate in captain's form for one year, 1717 right. to 1718. The, it's like a, a flash in the pan, but it's a flash in the pan that is like with endured history. It just goes to show you, you don't have to be famous for a long time. You just need to be famous. We were out partying the night before, and he went and shot me in my knee on shore. So he knew he was going back out the next morning to face Maynard. And therefore, I was the one to tell the story of Teach. Therefore, I was the one Left on shore and, and told the tale. So you're the I one survived. That, you're the one that's actually spread the the, the story of Blackbeard for basically from generation to generation yes. now. You are the keystone for that. Yes. I survived through the years. It was in prison for a while but but came out and, and survived to tell all the tales of him throughout history. And what was it like? working with Blackbeard? Oh, he's a tacticianer. Uh-huh. He's a, he's a, he's a sailor. He sails around the other ships. We tacked a, a British uh, sloop, two sloops at the same time. Gotcha. Tacked around one, tacked around back the, to the other one. Wow. We intimidated him so much, no shot was fired, and we took both ships and, and boarded them and took everything we wanted. That's incredible. Without a shot fired. And I think that's kind of the true nature of a pirate to be able to intimidate and just have people give you their stuff. Yeah, he knew how to sail. Sail, cool. sail better than anybody else. Excellent. And what would you say about yourself is kind of the thing that that resonates and goes down in history besides, say, the the, the, the teller of Blackbeard's story? Well, just the, the, the famous legends that he has to go with them. Go with them. They'll, they'll always be there. Perfect, yeah. So you have your own piece of history then. Of course. In, like interlocked forever with Blackbeard, which is yeah. pretty cool. And what was your name again? Israel Hans. Well, it's a standard hornpipe. On my Billy Bones album, it's part of the, t- the hornpipes. Uh-huh. Disney took a fancy to it and found it was quite amenable to the Pirates of the Caribbean 2 as a predecessor to the fight in the pub. That's right. In Tortuga. Skip did those two hornpipes and put them on. We were reporting at... at, uh, The guy had a a recording studio for years over in Canyon. Uh Uh, His name was J. Neil Young, not to be confused with Neil Young, although he's also Canadian. So... uh, we were recording. We, we were recording Skip's album over there, and he he had two hornpipes that he was going to put on. And uh, Neil says, "Hey, I've got these great. I've got this great soundtrack of a fight, you know." So he said, "You should. You know, you might want to mix this in. Mix this into this fight where he's doing like, uh, you know, where he does. Uh, I think he does Sailor's Hornpipe. I can't remember what else is uh-huh. in there, you know." 
say there's hornpipe, Fisher's hornpipe, a couple of things. And so he says, put this, put this fight in here, you know, in there, and, and, we'll, and he'll have fun with it like that. So anyway, Disney was interested in his song, Billy Bones. Uh-huh. I don't think they used it in Pirates of the Caribbean, but they were considering it. But in the second movie, they did consider those two hornpipes, and they used it for the backup in a fight scene. That's right. If you listen in the back, you'll hear it. It's mixed. His Skip's actual part is in there, mixed way into the orchestral sound. Gotcha. Like that. So, because that's so that's kind of how that goes. Uh-huh. Now, you know, maybe that's 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 what I know about it. I gotcha. Let me tell you more. Subsequent movies on the trailer. I think it's in the subsequent movies on all the trailers, like all the lead-ins and lead-outs on the DVDs. Two hornpipes is yeah. there. Because that's we talked about it on the show. Because we actually do a Pirates of the Caribbean show where we break down minute by minute the actual film. So we're talking like one minute at a time is one show. And we recently we're on our second season and we do Dead Man's Chest and we recently passed through that bar fight scene and that is such a standout piece for that that whole fight that it really makes it and just even the listeners have commented too that that's like one of their favorite pieces from the movie uh-huh. and which is why I thought hey I'm going to be at the Pirate Festival I should talk to some of the people that have actually had a hand in that yeah. and I don't it, think I actually played on any of that but I was Hey you can I lie on, go ahead No no I played on <laughs> I played on uh, I played on some of uh, Skip's stuff on his album Yeah did you have just as a backup just just uh-huh. backup guitar is what I played Gotcha on that uh and some backup vocals. And how long have you been doing that? What the, that? Uh, I don't know. When did you do that? Album? I don't know when that album came or, out. Or for you, been playing with Skip and just. Oh, I've known Skip. I know Skip since the seventies. Really? Yeah. We met over at a place called the Wine Cellar in in Girardelli Square. Gotcha. We used to play there. He used to play there. We all used to be there. Uh-huh. Square. Yeah. And so, do you have any new albums coming out, or anything that you'd want to let everybody know or, or to say? Uh, well, uh, I play with a couple. I play with a lot of groups. I play with a group called the Black Irish, and we have maritime albums, and they're on CD Baby. You know, oh, and I sing a lo- I sing on a lot of that stuff. Okay, excellent. We've got our own Starboard Watch album that I've got to actually repress <laughs> and, and change because the, there's some stuff from our bass player uh-huh. that's public domain that I want to get off of the album. Gotcha. And, uh, and but it put a memorial to him because he played with Skip back in the '60s. Perfect. His name was Larry Johnson. Got it. And I was going to put a memorial on that album mm. and, and, and leave some of his stuff on there. Yeah. That's Great. about all I can say. It's an album that's called Deep in the Night, and it features members of the Starboard Watch that play with Skip. Skip sang on it a little bit. Too. I see. And that's and, uh, is that also available out there or website? Yeah, or yeah, anything it's that... out there. CD Baby called Deep in the Night. Doug Clausen. Excellent. Thank you. Yeah. Thank Great. you. So I just want to say thanks again to Jack Sparrow, Captain Jack Sparrow, Blackbeard, Israel Hands, and Skip Henderson and the Starbird Watch for taking the time to share their stories with the listeners, with us, with me. Yeah, next year I'll have a new windscreen, a damn new windscreen. (laughs) And you know what? I'll probably find the other one. But the amount of time and how much it costs for just a small windscreen for that is worth for me just to order a new one than spend the 25 hours it would take for me to actually find the one that I put somewhere safe that I could find it. <laughs> we all know how that goes. Always happens. Yeah. So, okay. Now that we got out of the way, all that kind of stuff, don't have much to say with the Pirate Festival, except always a fun time. Oh, yeah. Heather got her pirate hat. That I did. I think she'll be getting a more flamboyant one, either through Cynthia's recommendation or at the Pirate Festival next year. So, mm-hmm. thanks again, Cynthia, for recommending a place yeah. where you got your hats. 
But yeah, Heather really fell in love with this black and white one. Kind of had a yeah. whole Dead Man's Chest theme too, because it, it had did. a pirate ship, a Kraken on it. Ah, she was really feeling it. But she opted for one that could, well, it's nice for all occasions. It's not yeah. just pirate, but she could wear it all the time. And we did pick up a piece for the listener's appreciation contest. Something we can bundle up with other Pirates of the Caribbean items, or with Pirates of the Caribbean items. Not that this necessarily is official Pirates of the Caribbean, but it's kind of a Kraken thing. It is Kraken. <gasps> I just actually let the cat out of the bag. So there you go. But now I won't share the picture of it. We'll wait. But yeah, there you go. Some art kind of thing, we'll just yep. say. That is, of course, so if Heather doesn't keep it for herself, she was trying to actually place it on the wall when we got home. And I reminded her that that's about the listeners. It's for the listeners. Yeah, the listeners. I even picked out a color I liked. Yeah. And you know, that was a little rude, actually. <laughs> so that contest should be coming at some point. And you know, we waited because we were looking at all the different stuff yeah. and like what to get. And the one we really wanted for the contest was gone. A lot of them were gone. Oh, yeah. But lucky there was still a good one left yep. that we liked. But man, there was a really nice, kind of weathered one. Would have really looked yeah, nice. Yeah. I don't know if Heather would have been able to let that go. I wouldn't go. let that one go. See, look at it. She doesn't appreciate the listeners like we that. We would have had to buy two. Two? My God. <laughs> Not that we didn't get one last year. Yeah. We'll just drop that and say we, we already have one. But Heather was actually trying to fit it with the other one. But <laughs> how can I keep this one too? But anyways, yeah. There's a pirate festival. But that doesn't get you off the hook though for Monday. And that can only mean one thing. And hopefully you know where I'm going with this, but it's Pirate Word of the Week. Ahoy there, scallywags. Pirate Word of the Week in 5, 4, 3, 2, yar. What do you have for us this week? Other, don't disappoint me. Swear to God, don't disappoint me. Fireball. Fireball. Is that because we were at the Pirate Festival and you saw a lot of Jack Sparrow impersonators who had... Like diseases and things on them, you know, like, uh, you know, some diseases. I don't diseases. know where you're going with this. They have fireballs <laughs> or fireball, <laughs> not fireballs, fireball as in, uh, yeah, okay. Maybe you I just did partake in some captain's nuts, though. Arr! I did. And I'll be honest, when I went up and ordered the captain's nuts from that. Uh, winch? Yeah, we'll just say winch because the service winch there. I said, uh, I need me some captain's nuts. And she said, <laughs> she actually replied, Ah, very good. It takes a brave man to admit what he wants out in public. <laughs> and yeah, I did laugh at that because uh, I was asking for Captain's Nuts. So we had a good time. Always a good time. It fits the show when I can go to the Pirate Festival and just let the euphemisms ride out. Everybody appreciates them there. They do, actually. <laughs> yeah. So Fireball, it's a pot filled with oil or other flammable materials Set aflame and launched like a bomb from the deck or rigging of a vessel to another. Wow. But you almost had a breath there for a minute. I know. It's like, it, it was like you or something. I don't like me? It. How dare you? A. <laughs> I've been talking this whole time and I haven't had to take like some kind of deep breath like I was out of dying here. You read one sentence from your notes and you almost keeled over. Talking about fireballs. <laughs> But yeah, I like that one because it's actually almost like a model top cocktail kind of thing. Right. And the benefit is not so much destruction, but more of um, diversion. Diversion. Hoping that you hit something flammable and it sets their ship aflame. Which is interesting. But, wow. So yeah. you're actually tying it into this minute because there's kind of a diversion going on with mm. bootstrap, 
and Will and all that kind of stuff yes. is happening as Will tries to make his way to get That's the key. That's exactly what I was trying no, to do. No, you weren't. You didn't. You didn't even think about that. <laughs> I had to bring it to you because I actually understand and break down all the minutes and I know what's going on. Which is why, in the previous minute, Davy Jones getting a bit hot and bothered during Liar's Dice tries to change the subject and get a look at Bootstrap's goods. Taking the wow. play into his own hands, he lifts up Bootstrap's cup. It shows everyone what he's packing. <laughs> Finally getting the chance to have the birds and the bees talk with his son, Will, he says, you just wanted to know where it was. <laughs> Poor Will. Didn't even know where it was. <laughs> this movie definitely teeters on the risque. There's Disney for you. Luckily, he meets his father before he marries Elizabeth. That's then. true, because then he wouldn't have known he what was, was going would on. He would be a bit wouldn't confused then. <laughs> that is true. Minute 88 begins with Clinker snoring away on deck while holding a bottle of rum. Bootstrap comes up from below deck and makes his way to the helmsman, Greenbeard. The minute ends with Will taking a feather quill pin off Davy Jones's pipe organ and starting to gently lift his tentacles in an attempt to take the key to Dead Man's chest. That right there, breakdown, it's almost euphemism as it was. I didn't even really need to touch it. <laughs> that's solid breakdown. The first one, okay, maybe there's some liberties taken. The second one, that's actually kind of a shot for shot. And I might just have to recycle that for the next minute <laughs> breakdown because it really needs no assistance. It's all just right there. But this isn't the usual jump into the minute that I would normally take because I did want to circle back to something that Jack Sparrow mentioned in his interview at the beginning of the show. That right out of the gate thing. Because his favorite pirate, Henry Avery, was mentioned. Huh. Well, you've heard it. But yes. thanks for trying to jump in and pretend like you hadn't. Because I figured, how are we to simply gloss over Sparrow's favorite pirate? We can't just do that. We can talk about his bedwetting another time. But Henry Avery, we have to at least honor the code of the pirate brethren and reach out and touch him a bit. Metaphorically, not euphemistically, because wow. that's what we've been talking about. But not yet anyways. Yeah, not yet. <laughs> Especially since Sparrow told us a bit of his plunder and runaway and getaway kind of deal with Avery. So I thought, yeah, I got to touch on it a little bit. So Henry... An English pirate who operated in the Atlantic and Indian Oceans in the mid-1960s, I was going to say. Can you believe that? I was going to say 1960s. <laughs> this guy, the whole, they're like, man, that pirate out there. He's acting actually like an old school pirate. No. But anyways, it's uh, mid-1690s. And he probably used several aliases throughout his career, including Benjamin Bridgman. And was known as Long Ben to his crewmen and associates. Hmm. And maybe Tortuga winches. I don't know. But I may have talked a little bit about this story before because I just don't remember. I don't remember if it's me talking about some of the stuff on the show, reading it or doing research or what Jeez. the hell's going on. Yeah, so I'm all kind of lost. So I'm not really sure. And I know, yeah, that's bad show prep for sure. Sounds familiar. Maybe, yeah. So maybe I mentioned it in Alyssa's successful pirates at some point or included it. I don't know. But it's time we give the audience some deja vu moments for them as well as we've had lately. <laughs> so that's what I figured. Henry, he was dubbed the Arch Pirate and the King of Pirates by contemporaries. So no wonder Jack Sparrow likes him, first oh, of yeah. all. A pirate known as the King of Pirates? Yeah. Yeah, that's right up Jack's alley. And Avery was notorious. He earned his infamy by becoming one of a few major pirate captains to retire with his loot without being arrested or killed in battle. And for being the perpetrator of what has been called the most profitable pirate heist in history. Because didn't I talk about the most profitable pirate heist at some point? I think yeah, I did. Yeah, I think so. But anyways, we're kind of doing a little bit different here, though. You're, you're doing a different type of recap. Yeah, exactly. Kind of. 
Thank you for trying to massage my feelings there. But although Avery's career as a pirate lasted only two years, his exploits captured the public's imagination, inspired others to take up piracy and even spawned works of literature. Hmm. Which kind of gets back to Sparrow wanting to have that kind of notoriety. Right. But then also slip under the radar of things. And Avery was born in Newton Fairs in the southwest of England and likely a member of the local Avery family. He served in the Royal Navy from 1689 to 1690. Following his discharge from the Navy, he began slave trading along Africa's slave coast. And in 1693, he was again employed as a mariner, this time as a first mate aboard the warship Charles II. And this kind of reminds me of Josh Me Gibbs in a way. There's some similarities of like working for the Navy. Yeah. Popping out of there for a while, going back, and then becoming a pirate kind of thing. So there's some. Not that I'm not saying Gibbs was a slave trader. That's right. not it. No. Just the other stuff. But after leaving London in August of 1693, the Charles II anchored in the northern Spanish harbor of Corona. And the crew got like discontented as Spain failed to deliver a letter of mark and Charles II's owners failed to pay their wages. Which is kind of what we see with happening with Gibbs and Jack Sparrow's crew. Right. They're getting a little disgruntled, not getting paid. Yep. It's kind of a theme throughout the movies, actually. And then on May... 7th, 1694, the Restless Sailors mutinied. Charles II was renamed the Fancy, and Avery elected as the new captain. And the Fancy sailed south to the Indian Ocean, soon plundering five ships off the West African coast. And then his adventures continue as he and the crew go from, like, these upstanding gentlemen, kind of, uh, maybe, most likely, to scallywags in the blink of an eye, basically. Hmm. Which is kind of cool. Yeah. Except if you're being attacked by the Fancy. That's true. So all of this really leads us to the barnacle-encrusted scallywag, Clanker. Because I was, you know, just uh, my transition there is, you know, scallywag <laughs> of the other crew. And now we got a scallywag clanker thing here. But yeah, Curly uh, from the Three Stooges, as we talked about last time. But it, on the second one in this minute, it doesn't really sound like Curly. It's only in that previous minute. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm pretty positive. And I know what I'm talking about. But that's green... But that's not really where I want to focus my attention because we're talking Greenbeard here. He's the one manning the wheel. The acting helmsman at this stage. Because here's where I'm going with all of this. We've been introduced to Greenbeard before. We talked about him and the actor behind all the CG yeah. and the motion capture thing there. But now that we get a really good look at Greenbeard, before he was kind of masked... Man, I can't say some words sometimes on the air. <laughs> masked. <laughs> masked? Masked. Yeah, so I don't know. It's it's all over with for me. But anyways, he's been hidden in the dark, let's just say. <laughs> and it's been hard to see him really clearly. Yeah. Now we actually get a good look at him. This sailor, this crewman. And he's a freaking monster. Did you look at him? Did you see this guy? It's incredible. You mean I'm tree not sure beard? how I feel about him. Yeah. Oh, I mean green guy. beard? Yeah. Did you see him though? He looks like a monster. Yeah. Is he too monstrous for the idea of the movie? The behind the movie kind of idea. Well, when he moved, I thought he looked a bit robotic. Maybe. Maybe he was more CG than motion capture. I was wondering if he was a Martian or a robot. That's a good thing because that ties into some stuff that I have to say. Take me to your leader. No. <laughs> no. And that's like a take me to your leader. It's like a, a robot monster or Martian hybrid. But <laughs> has he lost too much human form with this guy? Because most oh, of the he's, other he's characters... Oh, he's a monster, yeah. There's nothing human about him. Yeah, all the other characters have at least some human elements remaining on their face or something. Right. 
This guy. Something recognizable as human traits. Yeah. Greenbeard, he's a horror movie monster. Yeah. Maybe a B-horror movie? Like from the 50s or the 60s? Maybe. And I see him and I instantly am thinking about this 80s clip movie called It Came From Hollywood. It has these old school kind of Saturday Night Live cast members and then also Cheech and Chong. Don't want to forget Cheech and Chong. Like poking fun at B-movies. And the whole show is a montage. But there's this like montage within a montage kind of thing going on here. And I see Greenbeard and I automatically think of the song that's played during the movie. It pops into my head. It's, what's your name? You know, I've seen you before. What's your name? May I walk you to the door? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And yet I'm shocked like you that I'm not saying Treebeard too because Greenbeard (laughs) is just way too close to Treebeard. It is. Because it would fit. Treebeard, yeah, he's a tree. I've been told there's green on trees. Greenbeard looks a bit like a tree. He does. Yeah. He might be a... I wonder if... Remember when we had Lord of the Rings Minute on here? Yeah. Cassandra. Uh Uh-huh. And Norman. That's right. Thank you. I wanted to see if you were paying attention. And they were talking about how Gore Verbinski, Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl kind of stole the thunder from Peter Jackson with the whole Lord of the Rings thing. Yeah. Just because of the CG effects and all that. It kind of got all that thunder. But I'm wondering if this is now poking fun at Peter Jackson, Lord of the Rings, by having this green beard, tree beard kind of thing? Maybe. Really? Come on. Maybe Gore Verbinski liked what tree beard looked like. That's He said, how can we make this creature into one of our creatures on our ship? Well, (laughs) I don't think that he would blatantly like rip it off. Just to, because he liked it. But I would more say he'd kind of rip off the look if he wanted just to jab at him again. Like, yeah, I stole your thunder. Guess what? Now we have our own tree beard. <laughs> his name is Greenbeard. Oh, two separate things. One's in the water. One's on land. No. But they look awfully similar. Right? Yeah. Come on. There's There's got to be something there. I they probably should have looked about that. way differently, though. Okay. Move, really? That's you and the yeah. technicalities yeah. again. Because... Movements aside, we're talking looks here. Yeah. Kinda has that look. He does. Although Treebeard, much more handsome than uh, Greenbeard. Greenbeard's, like I said, he's a monster. He's a monster. He's an ogre kind of thing. Reminds me of that thing too, because now we're on some crazy tangents when Kramer, because we like to drop Seinfeld references every now and then, was sitting in all that smoker's... He made his house oh, like yeah, a smoker's yeah. lounge. Yeah. And then he's like, look away, I'm hideous. Yeah. That's Greenbeard versus Treebeard. Greenbeard's like, look away, I'm hideous. That kind of thing. But yeah, I think there's something there. Maybe this is a new theory. The Treebeard-Greenbeard debacle. The the Treebeard-Greenbeard conspiracy, maybe. I also have another question in this minute. Okay. Not just the monstrosity from it. Like the it came from Hollywood kind of scenario. Mind you, okay. The effects are great with him. Uh Uh-huh. And I'm not comparing rubber suit effects from the 50s and 60s to like ILM... CG work. That's not where I was going. Right. I'm just talking the general feel of the character. The look of the character. Yeah. Reminds me of something from a 50s or 60s B-movie kind of thing that would happen. Oh, really? Yeah. It came from Hollywood. If you want to see a dumb movie, but see a lot of funny clips about old B-movies and just movies from Hollywood, it came from Hollywood. It is on YouTube. You can find it. And you don't go there for the... The movie itself, the gag, you go there because of the clips and you go, yep, I can't believe Hollywood put that movie out. People went to see it. So you go there for the clips. 
So I'm not endorsing the movie as some kind of uh, award winner thing. Talking about the clips. And the commentary, right? Eh, maybe the commentary. Yeah, some maybe. of it. Yeah, because some of the pithy one-liners about it, that's good. Yeah. And it has one of my all-time favorite B-movie clips. The just horrible, the bad, the giant claw. There is a clip in there. If you've never seen the giant claw, my God, you got to see it. Well, it's, uh, Talk about a, a puppet B-movie monster. It's that's also it. like pulling out the worst parts of the movie. That's right. And that's and what's fun about it. That you don't necessarily always catch when oh, you're you, watching them. That's true. I think on these you did. Oh, okay. These are pretty hard to miss some of these. <laughs> but anyways, we're, we're way off topic from Seinfeld to it came from Hollywood B-horror movies. So while Will is sneaking into the captain's quarters, because this is my question, Jones's pipe organ is glowing red. It is so devilish, so... Dare I say glowing red again? There's this fog or steam, too. It's all very hell-like. Will is entering hell and trying to get the keys from Davy Jones. Mm. That's kind of yeah. the feel I got. Yeah. Even the back window of the stern. Eerie. Huh? And it is eerie. Yeah. Where the cabin is and this the, the, the windows to the stern is kind of the backdrop for the cabin. Yeah. What's out there that's giving us this creepy hell light? Lights on the stern? The moon, maybe? I don't know. Because why is this reddish-orange glow happening? Not to mention the angel looking towards the organ's backdrop painting. So you already have this devil-angel connotation thing going on here. But yeah, the glow. And that's that's what's got me a little wondering what was going on there. I'm wondering if there's candles down below that we can't see. There's maybe because there are candles in the room. Between the organ, the the keys and the window. That's possible. the, the... Because the lighting changes. So when we look at the lighting when you come into the room, it has this reddish-orange glow. But later on in the minute, when you see the lighting, it actually doesn't have that amber quality to it. Right. So it's more of a hard kind of white light. Yeah. But then when we get the close-up... Okay, first of all, there's close-ups of Davy Jones that are just spectacular. Oh, yeah. From the octopus kind of squid parts that are kind of breathing and moving and stuff like that. Yeah, very, very realistic to octopus yeah. kind of stuff. Okay, the lighting though. Because then there does appear when we get that close-up to be this like bioluminescent glow that's outlining the inside of the organ. Yeah. And it doesn't answer the window light question, but definitely seems a bit, like I said, bioluminescent to me. Which if you don't remember from an earlier episode, I think we were talking about bioluminescence. It's a biochemical emission of light by living organisms such as fireflies and deep sea fishes. You know. Yeah. Little cell biology stuff we were talking about. And I did use it a bit in my biotechnology research days. And I think I mentioned that. We were inserting like firefly luciferase, the gene for it into cells, that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, just your typical mad scientist type of thing. (laughs) And if it came from Hollywood. No, actually it was for medical research related kind of stuff. But yeah, there you go. Kind of seems mad scientist like. It's It's alive! (laughs) It's glowing! It's glowing! That's what I used to say in my lab coat. (laughs) Used to run out and say that. Really? Yeah. uh, Sometimes. Not really, because then they think I was a crazy person. It's also kind of reflecting light onto their faces. Yeah, it does do that. Yeah. I think it's more of some of the hard light. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. I have to relook. Anyways, bioluminescence is found in squid and octopus. So maybe mm. it's a Davy Jones thing. Maybe it That's is. That's what I'm wondering. Did Davy Jones light that up? Maybe. Squirted his uh, juices there. Lit it oh, up. That's weird. Yeah, because sometimes the prey being lured can be small plankton 
like those attracted to the bioluminescence around the beak of the Stereotuthis. Octopus. Yeah. Huh. Then there's also this yellow bioluminescent ring on some female octopus that may be used to attract mates. Wow. It's kind of a ring there. It's like a... Interesting. Lighten up their parts. Like, <laughs> hey, here I am. It's an interesting thing. The birds and the bees of octopus? Yeah. And, you know, I really had some comments there, but I'm, <laughs> I am struggling not to uh, to get into that. So instead, I'm just going to jump to the next example. And this gets back to maybe how Davy Jones operates here. Some squids shoot out bioluminescence liquid instead of ink to confuse their predators, which is pretty cool. Yeah. The deep sea squid even detach their bioluminescent arms, which stick to and probably distract the predators. Oh, huh. interesting. Stick a bioluminescent arm and detach it onto a predator. Then it attract attract other predators. To them, yeah. That's interesting. But anyways, we'll just better be careful he doesn't get any of Davy Jones' bioluminescent <laughs> goo all over him while startling him during his slumber. You don't want that guy just popping off. No. Exploding prematurely. Gosh. Getting his, uh, his bioluminescence all over the place. Because that wouldn't be good. That That's all I have to say. And plus, it'd be hard to hide and say you weren't the culprit if you were covered in glowing liquid. Very true. Which one of you is guilty? Well, Will is the only one glowing there at the moment. Yeah. It's like, no sudden movements, Will. And that goes the same for Davy Jones. Don't pop off before you're ready. <laughs> Why would Will go to that side of Davy Jones and not the other side where the key is? That's a good question because the key is on the other side. Uh-huh. And I have an answer. Do you? Because the camera was on the other side. <laughs> they couldn't fit the camera on. <laughs> They're like, let's try it the other way because Will's giant head is blocking the whole shot. Move around to the other side. Ah, much better. Much better. But yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. That would be easier to go from that uh-huh. side. Because it, it's on the outside. Yeah. it has. I think it has to do with camera work there. Just feels more natural that way. Yeah. Be on the other side, it'd be a little weird, right? Think about it. Can you see that scene? Okay, now we're getting into the weeds of actually perception in the movie here. Well, they'd have to swap the camera to the... I know, but of, thank you for that, of course. Because if you just add another camera out to the other side, then you're seeing the other camera from the other side. And that doesn't make sense. Be two cameras looking at each other. Anyway. So if you're looking at it from the other... But imagine looking at it from the other angle. It w- just doesn't seem right. Oh, you wouldn't be... Actually, you're right. Because then you couldn't see... Because it is on the left side. Then you couldn't see him get the keys. He'd That's be right. in the way. Yeah, he'd be in the way. Yeah. So as much as I wanted to say that his giant noggin would be in the way, it actually would be in the way to yeah. trying to do that. Between him and Davey, they'd yeah. be in the way. Uh, Gore, he's see. such a genius when he frames these shots. How many times did they have to go through that to get it right? <laughs> <laughs> we have wasted four days trying to get this shot. Oh, just get to the, other, to the side. other side. Yes. Use the pen and some chopstick there. And <laughs> yeah. A, I don't think these guys eat chopsticks or have chopsticks on board. <laughs> we, normally, nobody eats chopsticks. That's true. Termites might. But <laughs> nobody eats chopsticks. That's not how you're supposed to do it. And they probably, yeah, I think that they would probably just avoid chopsticks. They don't seem like the chopstick kind of people. They don't seem like the utensil kind of crew is what I'm saying. They just eat everything with their hands? Yeah. Or claws? They're compadres or... there, like we've seen already. <laughs> that's true. So that's all I got. I don't know. Do you have anything else for you? That's it for me. Because I didn't have much of a breakdown for the minute, but we had other stuff. That's why I'm willing to call it good. Okay. 
And uh, kind of end on a pirate festivist note. You know, a pirate festivist for the rest of us. <laughs> it's my other Seinfeld reference. So we'll be back on Wednesday, minute 89 of Dead Man's Chest. And until then, Scallywags, let's keep the horn swoggling and bioluminescent secretions to a minimum. And we'll look forward to next year's Pirate Festival. Yeah, we will. Maybe we'll have some more ads running for them. That kind yeah. of stuff. Something to shoot for. Yep. Please, please pay us to have ads. <laughs> okay. That was my gratuitous begging. You've been listening to The Black Pearl Show, and we appreciate it, scallywags. Heather, I know you're still on pirate time and kicking back with the booze, but you may have noticed... Actually, who am I kidding? The only thing you've noticed lately is the inside of the Faithful Bride Tavern. Anyways, our procrastination has paid off yet again, and Season 2 is here, and we are willfully unprepared. Maybe we can distract people with a Jack Sparrow wave of the hands and send people across that thing called the internet. Check us out on Facebook.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, Twitter.com slash Black Pearl Men, Instagram.com slash Black Pearl Show, SoundCloud.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean, that's for best of clips, and by all means give us a plug and review on iTunes. We'd appreciate it, mateys. Oh, and let's not forget the Facebook Cursed Crew listeners group for post-episode discussions. That's actually a lot to remember, especially if you're in a foggy haze like Heather. Just go to blackpearlshow.com and everything is there at the click of a button. Perhaps I should have just said that from the beginning. This is a Shoutreach Media Production. Pirates don't need no stinking disclaimers, but just for fun. I think all you dirty, filthy bilge know that Disney and Bruckheimer Films have no affiliation with us at all, and we have none with those blooming cockroaches. We talk about Pirates of the Caribbean, which is their property, and all that other fun stuff. But I think it's obvious what's ours and what's theirs. There's no need to blur the lines or stir up a bloody rum-filled sweat. As for the music... That's with permission or licensed under Creative Commons. So let's give a shout out to Ross Bugden, Six Nail Coffin, and Tommy Wynn. The rest? Well, that's just me. Oh, and maybe Heather.